This is Vernon Jacobs, Senior Pastor of the Embassy Church. I want to thank you for engaging with us through this podcast. May it build your faith and strengthen your walk and cause you to reach the rooftop in Christian living. Don't forget to aim high and never give up. Let's go now straight into this word. Ah, well, it's Palm Sunday. It's the triumphant entry of Jesus Christ more than 2,000 years ago. Ah, And this morning, I just want to give you some of the observations that I have made concerning uh, Palm Sunday. And as I have studied it, I want you to know that uh, the four Gospels capture this event, which is the triumphant entry of Jesus into Jerusalem. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, oh Jerusalem. Uh, You can love it and hate it with the same amount of passion. And when Jesus walked in, he walked with such passion into Jerusalem. That's why they call it the passion of Christ. You must really have passion to walk in a place that wants to kill you. You must really have courage to walk into a place where Jesus said, you den of vipers. He called them a den of vipers. He said they look good on the outside like uh, whitewashed walls on the outside, but tombs of dead men's bones on the inside. Jerusalem. Oh, Jerusalem. Up until now, all the Gospels kept a record of Jesus and his ministry outside of the boundaries of Jerusalem. When you visit the Holy Land, you will find that they'll take you on tours and they'll start from the outside. They'll take you on day one to the fringes where the graveyards are, the caves of Merpelah, where the bones of Abraham, Sarah, Isaac, and and those patriarchs lay. And then they'll bring you into the the birthplace of Jesus and they'll bring you towards the Sea of Galilee. And uh, up until there, they'll show you that Jesus' ministry was in that circle. And Jesus will come up to the tip and then he'll go back down. But he'll never ever enter into Jerusalem. His ministry was not in Jerusalem. His death was. There are about, in collectively, about 89 chapters of all of the Gospels, the four Gospels, 89 chapters. But 47 of these chapters capture the last week of Jesus' ministry which is his entry into Jerusalem. So once you may read a lot about his ministry, much of his ministry was done outside of Jerusalem. And then you will read about these weeks uh, where he cursed the fig tree and all of those things. Uh, That was in the last five days. And then you'll have the death, resurrection, and his ascension. Um, Much of or half of that is captured by the writers of the gospel um, and a lot of it, most of the chapters are written but that's not where Jesus spent most of his time. Are we together? 
we pick up the story, you must understand, to understand Palm Sunday, you must understand the era in which these people are living. I'm going to be teaching today, so you should have your teaching mind, your teaching cap on, all right? I mean, if you like teaching. Thank you. The era that they are living in, the Jews, uh, they lived in the land, but they never owned the land. The Jews had their own land, but they never owned their land. So this is a lot to do about politics. In 1980, I was in school, I think uh, we were in Standard 7 at that time. The Indian schools had their first boycott. And some of the songs we sang, We shall overcome, we shall overcome someday. For deep in my heart, I do believe we shall overcome someday. Amandla! We were waiting to be set free. And the man who could set us free was a Messiah sitting in a place called Robben Island. 10 or 11 years later, they set him free. And the face of South Africa changed. And we started to encounter what we think is democracy. Even now, we're not sure whether we are free. Because the definitions and the expectations that a crowd has will determine whether you're truly free. I've said all of that to say this. <clears throat> the Jews were now in their own land, but forever they were conquered by some people. At first they were conquered by Syria. Then they were conquered by Greece. And the time that we find Jesus, they're now conquered by Rome. And so they, they are people, but they don't have their own government. Such was this, uh, this the, 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 the oppression. You must understand the oppression. The Romans people were, were not taxed. But the Jewish people were taxed. Uh, and, and the taxman as Matthew, they would appoint Matthew from their own Jewish sect. And if he looked at you and if he saw you driving good, he increased the tax. If he found that you had a few more animals, the taxation was not set. It was dependent on, this, on a man. And so the taxation system was horrendous. They were born free, but taxed to death. And that was causing some oppression in them. They were getting upset. Uh, if they committed any crime as well as not paying their tax, they could be brought up to a council and the council could sentence them so much so that they were the only ones to, to be given 39 stripes. You can get 39 stripes today and a month later get another 39 stripes. Paul says, I was given 39 stripes three times 
if that was not enough, they could give you death by chocolate, death by crucifixion. Death by crucifixion. The Jews were subjected to this harsh penalty of death, but not the Romans. That's why at one time when Paul had enough, he said, when they wanted to lash him again, he said, am I not a Roman? Because his, his parents was Jewish, but he was born in a Roman city. And so he played that card with them. He said, am I not a Roman citizen? I'm trying to show you the amount of oppression that existed and they were looking for a Messiah. Somebody who could set them free. And now they found Jesus. Politically and democratically you must understand that any man with a following is a potential candidate. So, because of the following that Jesus had, they said, this is the man that we can make him a Messiah. So, all eyes were set on him so that he could politically emancipate them. Keep your eyes on the word political because Jesus didn't come for politics. He didn't come to set them politically free, although they were slaves in a land. But something greater was Concerning them, they were also slaves to sin. And they could not enter a greater land called the kingdom of God. And for the kingdom of God to set you free, you don't need a political emancipator. You need a spiritual messiah. And so the crowds gathered with the physical and the mental aspirations, if that's a, the right word, that he's going to set them free. On this Palm Sunday, that's the day that they gather and now they come. As Jesus walks, he's gathering a crowd. I want you to understand that in those crowds, there are two geographical regions from which the crowd is coming. One is a crowd that is following him, and another is a crowd that's already in Jerusalem for the Feast of Passover. They had three main feasts. Feast of Tabernacles, Feast of Pentecost, Feast of Passover, where Jews, about six million Jews, will come into Jerusalem. And so the crowd is large inside of Jerusalem. But the crowd that's building up is the crowd that also comes from Galilee. If you go to Jerusalem or you visit the Holy Land, it comes from down, from the River Jordan. It comes up and then goes into the city down. So there's a crowd that's coming with him. And may I just commend that crowd it's, it's a good crowd. I'm going to talk to you about the crowd just now, where they came from. Are we together? Are you getting something? And then there's this other crowd in Jerusalem already. The scripture would say, uh, let's, let's just look at the scripture. It says, the next day a multitude that 
had come to the feast, when they heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem, they took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him and cried, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, the King of Israel. Then Jesus, when he had found a young donkey, sat on it as it is written. I just want to tell you that John is the only one that captures what kind of trees it was. Uh, Matthew says the branches of trees. He could have left it to sycamore trees. But John is the only one who says branches of palm trees. Uh, Now palm is very, very... I'm getting ready to prophesy a word for you. Are you ready? On this Palm Sunday, that's why you must come for a prophetic voice. If you look at Judges chapter 4, Deborah is the one who sat under the palm tree and ruled Israel. When you talk about palm trees, it's a tree that gives you, or palm tree represents victory with peace. I prophesy that you in this week are going to have victory with peace. I'm not sure who needs to hear this word this morning, but uh, it brought peace to those that were in turmoil. I'm not sure who's in turmoil this morning, but God told me in this week that there must be peace in your turmoil and victory in your struggle. There must be peace in your turmoil. I'm not sure who I'm talking to this morning, but victory in your trouble. Those that are going through some struggles, those that are going through in this Passover week, I'm going to talk about the seven blessings of, of, of Passover. You must, you must tap into the victory in this. So there's peace in your turmoil and victory in your struggle. Are we together this morning? Uh, slide seven, please. Luke nineteen thirty-seven. <coughs> then, as he was now drawing near the descent of Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to rejoice and to praise God with a loud voice for all of the mighty works they had seen. I'm trying to show you the two crowds that are coming. There's this one crowd that had already seen his mighty works. They are coming from Galilee. They are coming from Jerusalem. Uh, And and when when he comes up to a certain point, the next crowd comes to them and says, this is the scripture, and when he had come to Jerusalem, all the city was moved saying, who is this? So the Crowds attract crowds. I want you to understand that. Crowds attract crowds. So the, there's a crowd that's, that's, that's following him. They knew of him. They knew his mighty work. And they, were, they already had a song. Oh, how can we sing the Lord's song in a strange land? These are the guys that sang, By the rivers of Babylon, where we sat down, if there were some colored people there, they... there we met when we remembered Zion. Are we together? So these are the people of Zion, the Zionists. They are following and they are making a loud sound. Ah, people 
I want to ask you this morning, which crowd are you? If you were in this crowd, would you be from Jerusalem who knows not of his works? That's why you can't make a sound. Or are you from Galilee who said, we know this man. Uh, when, when, when you're in a church and you like, why, why are you making so much noise? You from Jerusalem, you still need to know what is making them so excited. Are we together this morning? There, there's a two crowds and, and you need to get one crowd. If, if you're not sure, you must ask this lady, why are you? Why, why you do that? They said, who is this? Why are you making a noise? Let's, let's see what was the, the, the reaction. <coughs> are we together? There's a multitude about 9,000 men. First 5,000 and then 4,000 that were following him. And when they were hungry, Jesus said to the disciples, feed them. They said, with what? He said, what do you have? They said, five loaves of bread, two fish. They had a private council meeting and said, send them away. He said, feed them. They said, with what? Then the multitudes heard the conversation. They said, lunch is ordered. They said, where's it from? They said, Mr. D. <laughs> so he said, make them all sit. So they are now seated, creating an anticipation. Each one is saying, it's coming. From where, fisherways? Fish and buttered rolls is on the menu for lunch. <clears throat> and then he takes the bread and he lifts it up and he says, oh God. Some of you know what I'm talking about. When you are down to nothing and you lift it up to something. And you say, oh God. Is there anybody here in the house when you were so down to nothing and you lifted it up to heaven and God turned it around for you? We make a miracle work, light in the darkness. When God made that kind of way, that's the kind of song you sang. So when they walk in up the crowd, they go in, Waymaker, miracle worker, light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. Waymaker, miracle worker. That's the song that they sing. And people in Jerusalem say, Who is this? They say, is the way maker, miracle worker, light in the darkness. That is 
who you are. That's the 5,000. Then when they want to argue, the other 4,000 come and say, we saw it too. You saw it in, in chapter 8. We saw it in chapter 12. So that alone is a crowd of 9,000. They follow in him, thinking he's going to be the king of the land. And whenever there is famine around, we will never suffer famine. Because this guy, he's a baker. He, he, if, if there's famine in the land, he can just make the bread come. The Hindustani people will be happy with him. <laughs> because he's a bread or. Are we together this morning? This thought I'll throw it in there for Niresh and his family. <coughs> There's also another crowd of ten. Ten lepers. They followed him from Galilee. Imagine when nobody wanted to touch them. When they were they couldn't come. They were in total isolation. And they came and they, they used to a scream because they said, Oh son of David, heal us. Oh son of David, heal us. Oh son of David, heal us. They already had a rhythm on the inside. They already had a shout on the inside. They already knew how to shout. And Jesus said, uh, well, what's your problem? And he looked at them and he said, Go show yourself to the priest. And they were on their way to, to the priest. Uh, sometimes your miracle don't take place instantly. Sometimes in the cause of doing business, you'll feel, you'll know that the miracle worker showed up. I'm not sure who's here this morning and you come to church and you leave the same way. But somehow by receiving that word on your way to where you have to go, God will make it come true. One came back, nine didn't, but the ten lepers were healed. I do believe inside of this crowd. You are the God. That healed me he is the God, my healer. The people of Jerusalem saying, who is he? They saying, he sent his word and he healed my disease. He is the Lord, my healer. There's a lady in the crowd who can also, like the 4,000, attest to the 5,000. You'll always have a witness to what Jesus has done. She's saying, I was bleeding. I was bleeding for 12 long years. I tried everyone. I tried the specialists. I tried gynecologists. I tried spiritualists. But nobody healed me. One day... I heard the man of Galilee 
was in my region. And so I said to myself, based on the words I heard, if I could just touch the hem of his garment, I will be healed. And so I went up and I touched the hem of his garment. And the flow that was flowing out, there was a flow that flowed inside of me and supernaturally touched me. And I too want to say, He is the God that healeth me. He is the Lord, my healer. He sent his word and he healed your disease. He is the Lord, your healer. Oh, there's another man that was sitting in the crowd. Was, he's now able. He couldn't even walk that road because he was blind. His name is blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus. Born blind. But one day Jesus spat on the ground and touched him. And restored his eyes. And so there were people that were following him for his healing. There were people that was following him for his provision. There were people that was following him for his miracles. All of these people had this, this expectation that he's, he's my Messiah. But they never anticipated that he's going to die. And quite selfish of them because if he didn't die and he just lived on he would have been only their healer he would have been only their provider he would have been only their miracle worker but he knew that his mandate was to continue from Palm Sunday that I need to go to Friday because beyond the Friday there's a raven and there's, there's a Craig, and there's a Layla, and there's a Jethro, and there's a Melanie, and there's a Vernon, and there's a me, and there's a you. It was not supposed to be just limited for the Jews. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth on him should not perish. They couldn't understand this should not perish thing. As long as they received healing. As long as they received life. And so, they knew him to be Messiah. But they couldn't reconcile that he had to die. You know the trouble with the church today? Is that we can understand his death. But we don't really understand that he's our Messiah. I'm just putting it out there. Are we together this morning? <coughs> so, they continue to follow him. The whole crowd, if you go to, to Jerusalem, 
it comes to the mount and then you got to go down remember when we were there you had to walk down the road to Jerusalem and the whole crowd is now with all of this excitement each one telling the other just like you you're getting excited we make a miracle work the praise and worship is getting louder roar and they move in with him they expecting him to go down because now he's the king of kings this guy democratically he's the right guy democracy says the greater the number the greater the conqueror we are going to if you can get the numbers i want to pause for a cause this morning and remind you that we are not in a democracy sit up please i want to blow your mind if you understand that you are not in a democracy that you are in a theocracy the kingdom of god is governed and administrated by the laws of the kingdom of god in democracy you can get a whole crowd and change what is right to wrong as long as you get the vote for it it doesn't care whether it's moral or not but when you are in a theocracy when you are under a system of god you got to go with what god says an example of it will be if god said in genesis chapter 126 he made male and female democracy can vote and say there are 13 other sexes but god says the one who made them sometimes with the numbers that we can garnish in the world we can convince god that he is wrong just as some of you are rethinking the subject too because the louder louder the the noise the greater the cause and so the crowds are saying hosanna and they are supporting jesus for all that he is he's the healer is the provider is the miracle worker so democracy is pushing him come on jesus keep going we behind you because you are the emancipator keep going now when you understand jerusalem antonio's fortress is there the seat of government is here and the temple is here political is there spirit is here politics spirit politics spirit are we together so they not sure because they are they got a leader now and politically he's going to emancipate them so he comes to this cross over and they saying jesus 
Antonio's fortress is to the right. Hail Jesus, you're my king. And they want him to go. Right. Jesus pauses and the, waits for the crowds to catch up. Hail Jesus, you're my king. Hail Jesus, you're my king. How does the words go? Glory, glory to the your life frees me to sing. There you go. I will praise you all my days. You perfect in all your ways. Hail, hail, Lion of Judah. Can you hear the sound? Can you hear the sound at this crossroad? And they say, now is the moment. Jesus is going to set us free. But what he's carrying on the inside is the whole world. He's going to set the whole world free. If he goes right, he's going to set them free. If he goes to the temple, he's going to set the whole world free. Amen. And he starts to go left. And starts to move towards the temple. And all of them say, Jesus You've got to go right. And he goes to the left. And because he doesn't fulfill their expectations, they start to drop and say, well, you're on your own. And the crowd turns out. But Jesus says it like this. I'm, I'm not sure if I found John 6, 26. <clears throat> truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me not because you saw signs, but because you ate the loaves. He says, do not work for the food that perishes but for the food that endures to eternal life, which is the Son of Man who will give it to you. Amen. I don't know whether you understand that. He looks to the crowds and he's, he looks at the 5,000 and the 4,000. He says, you guys only followed me all this way. Because you think I'm the bread provider. Because I'm the baker. Family of God, let me say this to you. Many of you have come to Jesus for what Jesus has done for you. Many of you serve him because when you were steeped and lost, you found Christ. He healed you. Some of your families got, your, your parents got healed under somebody's ministry. And all of you got saved. Because you, you got saved because of your healing. Some of you had no jobs and the pastor prayed for you and you got the job. Great. But do you serve God for the bread? For the business? 
for the jobs, the provision, and all of those things? Do you serve him for that? Or do you really believe that he's the one that's going to take care of you beyond the de- your death? Because this whole week is not about feeding the 5,000 and the 4,000, healing the lady with the issue of blood. That's, that's good. That's who he is. And many times the church presents him as that kind of Jesus. But he came to solve the death problem of man. He came to solve a greater problem than just your temporal need. That's what I'm trying to show you. That, that Jesus came to, to show you much, to, 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 to do much more for you than what you trust in him. He came that you could have life. And that life beyond the grave. Our greatest, greatest fear, the greatest fear of man is conquered on Friday. The dying problem. The dying problem. The problem of death. D-E-A-T-H. That's, that's the big word. That's what he, Christmas is the gift of life. Not of healing, not of provision for your business, not of all those temporal things. Jesus is not a political messiah. He's a spiritual savior of the world. Stand this morning. We're going to take it further on Friday. Did you get something? Oh, that's all. I feel alone this morning. Did you get something this morning? And so, what are you going to take home? If they ask you, what did your pastor preach? You need to tell them that God seldom offers us what we want, but he always gives us what we need. What did you learn today? That people were bound in a land. They were slaves. But that's politics. But if you understand spiritual, they were slaves to sin. He came to set them free so that they could become sons of God. I'm no longer slave to feel Jesus give me one second you can hold on that, that, that's coming right? You'll see. <laughs> Jesus was sent to solve the death problem and so some of you have been to funerals and you're asking the question now how <clears throat> he was sent to solve the death problem with eternal life you know it as death But when a person dies in Christ, he never dies. Because of this week. Because of this week, if you understand that. And the biggest thing that I want to tell you this morning is don't follow Jesus democratically. 
because everybody else is doing it. We do it. Do it like how Mary said. Whatever he tells you to do. Whatever he tells you to do. Do it. Just do it. Just do it. Whatever he tells you to do. Just do it. So we don't follow Jesus up until the point of Antonio's fortress. We don't follow Jesus up to a point. And when we are disappointed, we turn our backs. That's not what you were saved for. You don't follow Jesus when it's suitable to you. You follow Jesus all the way. Because, because you understand what he did. He didn't just go into Jerusalem. Jesus went to the cross. From the cross to the grave. From the grave to the sky. Resurrection. So this Jesus is bigger than just your, your five loaves. Your two fish. Opening your blind eyes. Those are. There's more to Jesus. So on that rainy day. When the devil tells you you can sleep. A little longer. You must know. That he went to the cross. For me. I'm going to talk about the cross. All the price of blood. It didn't start on the cross. It started. Right down there. At the whipping post. When they were whipping him. Because Satan said. I want to see all the blood. All the blood. So you don't serve Jesus. For the things you can see. Temporal. You see beyond the grave. <coughs> Are we together this morning? And last but not least. <coughs> you know on Wednesdays. Normally I call you. But we don't have that Wednesday meeting to pray. This is what you need to expect in this week. And you must pray this from today. The seven blessings of Passover. You can, you can download my teaching. It's somewhere. Somewhere. I'm not sure where. It's somewhere. The seven blessings of Passover. <coughs> You'll find there's angelic activity. There's movement. Angels are moving in this week. Your enemy will be God's enemy. And he will fight for you. Shout amen. amen. He's going to bless your bread. He will remove sickness away from your midst. It's a good time to... Uh, Come with your offering. Shiksha. Uh, yes. Shaista. Shaista phoned me this week and she said, Pastor, I was going to do this after service, but I just feel the anointing. Uh, she said, I have an offering that I want to bring and lay at your feet. I said, why? Well, firstly, after 10 years... They fell pregnant. You can't fall pregnant alone, so maybe Liam, you come and stand with her. <coughs> Lest they think somebody else. Beautiful couple. Trust, trusted God.
And then she has another testimony. Uh, she studied. And that's why you must never give up on your dream. Whatever God, she likes to be a teacher. So she works for the bank at present. But she's been studying to be a teacher. So she sent a CV out to one of the high schools. Uh, Ex-model C school. They called her. They interviewed her. And they liked her. I want to tell you something this morning. There's a thing about called, called countenance in the Bible. When Nehemiah went into the king's quarters, he was downcast. Your face can tell a story. And they asked Nehemiah, uh, the, the king asked Nehemiah, why is your countenance fallen? You know, without you opening your mouth, you can sell yourself by the glory of God. That's why when you wake up in the morning, you wash your face. That's why Ruth said to, and Naomi said to Ruth, no, the first thing she said, wash your face. In Tamil, they say a word, I wish I wasn't live streaming, but I'll say, they say, Munji pare vandevara. It means when I look at your face, I feel like spewing. Let it not be said that about your countenance this morning. When you go to see people, let your countenance speak for you. That's why we end with the Lord bless you. The Lord keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you. Lord lift up his countenance towards you. And the Lord give you peace. There's something about countenance. When you are down and you drab, your countenance, they say your countenance has fallen. And I do believe that it's not about you. The countenance of God was upon you on that day. The principal phoned her the next day. Normally people wait for for weeks thinking, did I, was I successful, was I not? The principal phoned her the next day and said, we like you. Amen. We want you. Amen. Did you sign the contract? You signed the contract, you don't play games, eh? <laughs> and she signed the contract. Now I know I pray for educators. Educators sometimes are waiting for for such a long time to get jobs. But this is a miracle in its making. You may lay your offering at the feet of your apostle. May the Lord bless you in the weeks that you would serve in that school, in the months, in the years that you would serve in that school. May you add value to the children. May you not only be an educator, but a mother to those children. May you be a blessing in that school. May you carry the light of God into that school. And may you be a voice of God in that territory. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. God bless you. God bless you. Uh, why I thought about her was number five, no barrenness. 
There's a thing called a desert spirit. I don't know if you endure it. Dryness. It's a desert spirit. Dry. You, you, you just dry. Every part of your life is parched. This morning I break that dryness. If you're watching us virtually or you are in this place actually. If you're going through dryness and for a long time now you have not tasted of the goodness of God. Tasted it and seen. May you have long life. Everybody wants this, isn't it? Too many people are going at 40. That's not long life. Too many people, I heard somebody died at 38. I'm not sure what's in our bodies. Through all of the vaccines. and I'm not sure what they did to us. But I do know, if God be for us, who can be against you? All right. And last but not least, for those that are in spiritual chains, spiritual train chains, I pray that this week, this in this week, you're gonna break off bondages. Amen. Lift your hands this morning, sing, I'm no longer a slave. I'm no longer to fear. I'm no I'm not sure who I need to prophesy to and say to you like those ten lepers. Whatever you're going through, the condition didn't come to stay. It came to pass. I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child. I'm no longer <laughs> declare it this morning and take five minutes. Oh, 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 Child 
I just feel this morning, if you would indulge me and allow me from this altar to call out those that are sick. If you're sick, I don't want to call you to the altar, but I feel that I want to pray for you. Because we spoke about the blinded eyes and the woman with the issue of blood. And If you're sick with every head bowed, every eye closed, if you really need my prayer this morning, something's happening, will you raise your hand? You're standing on holy ground. I'm going to pierce that veil for you this morning and ask God just to heal you. Lord, you said three things about yourself. You said, I am the God that healeth thee. I sent my word and I healed your disease. And last but not least, Jesus, you said, by my stripes, you are made whole. This morning, I pray for every person that has raised their hands. I apply your word of healing and health into their human bodies. I speak divinity, the divinity of Jesus Christ. I release the blood of the Lamb into their biological blood system right now. And by faith, your word says, if you pray the prayer of faith, the sick will be healed. Today, I pray for healing by faith in the bodies of those that are sick. There's so many hands that have been raised from the most, Lord, simple to the most complicated of illnesses that are on this floor this morning. I release divine healing. I cause blood counts to increase. I cause, oh God, situations in the hormonal levels, temperatures to decrease if it's high, to increase if it's low, blood pressures, oh God, to come down if it's high, to rise if it's in, in, uh, low. I pray, God, for kidneys. I pray this morning... That there's just going to be divine healing. Katalamoshaka. Yekulamabroshende. Ribrositilimrondo rogoshende. Lambrianda lambahande. Let the right hand of God touch and heal this morning. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Will you lift your hands all together? Receive the benediction. The Lord will bless you. The Lord will keep you. The Lord will make his face to shine upon you, lift up his countenance towards you, and the Lord will give you peace by the true definition of peace. Nothing missing, nothing broken. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Whether you're going for karanichas, or bunny chows, or whatever you're going for, may you enjoy it. God bless you. We'll see you on Friday.